0: Now, here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. And welcome back to Coast to Coast. George Norrie with you. Our special guest, William Warwick IV, back with us. He was last with us seven and a half years ago. And for more than 10 years, Bill has been researching and investigating his own personal UFO experiences. He has investigated and documented numerous UFO sightings from people all over Virginia and Arizona as well. Tonight, we're going to talk about UFOs and Hopi prophecy as well. William, welcome back, my friend. How have you been? Seven and a half years. What have you been doing?
1: Oh, sounds like a long time, and it certainly has when you put it like that. Well, I've been very busy uh, uh, finishing up some of the books that we started to write over a decade ago. Getting ready to publish those very soon. We did an AlienCon, uh, a couple presentations at AlienCon in 2018 in Baltimore, which was really great. And uh, so now we're just finishing up right now with some with some Hopi um, um, work that we've been doing and working on for about five or six years with one of the elders, one of the last surviving elders of the Hopi um, clans, and so uh, that's one of the things we're, we're really excited to talk to you about tonight um, and uh, share some of these prophecies that have been locked up in a museum essentially for the past 90 years or so, um, and uh, Grandfather Malava has been kind enough to uh, to share some of these stories with me and and to hopefully share some of these stories with the world at this time.
0: Great. I'm looking well, uh, forward to this.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's uh, He asked me, actually, he's, his health is not well, and we've been uh, communicating for about five or six years now. Actually, this interesting story, my sons and I were planning a trip to Arizona to go and meet Grandfather Malava, and... Um, Uh, do some photo documentation, some video films, that kind of thing. And COVID shut that down, obviously, so it kind of uh, forced him to reach out and do some more sort of remote sort of documentation work. And so that's where the video came from. Um, There'll be more videos coming soon um, of Grandfather Malava talking about... um, He calls them teachings. We might call them prophecies. Um, about things that were written over 90 years ago or more, and uh, and that are being revealed right now, in the sense that he's translating them and sharing them with the world.
0: Super. I miss these live events because of COVID. Don't you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny because uh, one of the only ways that I could communicate with him um, is through Facebook Messenger, of all things. Yeah. And um, you know, the good thing about that is that he's able to put up, you know, hold up artifacts and things like that to show me some of the things that he's talking about because most of the things that we've discussed over the past five or six years you're not going to find in any book because he has yet to write them. Uh, Each mesa has their own uh, elders and their own traditions and they're not all the same. So a lot of the stories that we've heard about the quote-unquote Hopi teachings or the prophecies are only of that particular clan's Knowledge base,
0: so to speak. How old is the so, grandfather, Bill?
1: Uh, he's grandfather Malava. He's probably got to be in his late seventies, maybe.
0: Seventies now. The, he, bad.
1: Was, he was in the Vietnam War, so he's, he's got to be had to be at least twenty when he went in. You know what I mean?
0: That's right. Exactly. Well, tell us about the Hopi themselves. I mean, uh, tell us about the Hopi tribe based in Arizona, but uh, just tell us about them.
1: Yeah, so, so there's actually been a lot of, especially with the new DNA research that's been done. Um, you know, you've got the haplogroup X findings, which, which show that there are certain Native American tribes which have this genetic marker, haplogroup X. Uh, and, um, we, we know that, uh, from, from genetic studies, and there's more and more things coming out every day that tell us more and more, but essentially, you know, you can think of the Hopi, as kind of an offshoot of the Maya at one time, actually, um, where there was a lot of things going on in Central America, and so this is kind of like the Maya, like a Hopi group. Uh, excuse me, the Hopi are like a Maya group that kind of branched off at a at a very very far date. We don't know, maybe thousands of years ago, um, and uh, and and became the Hopi um, tradition, so to speak, because Musta who's there sort of god-slash-leader, uh, um, cosmolo- cosmological, I guess, you know starter of civilization for them, led them to these, these mesas in Arizona, um, which just happened to look like or be in the positions of, of certain constellations, so that these mesas and these sacred sites just happened to mirror the constellations in the sky, just like they do at various sites around the world.
0: Well, it's, uh, it's they've been around a long time, and how did P- Hopi prophecy uh, occur, Bill?
1: Um, well, it's mostly just you know the priests uh, of, of of the individual clans um, telling their stories. Um, sometimes it's 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 information that's passed to them from uh, spirits or patina dolls, so to speak. But I mean, a lot of it just sounds like the same kind of. Um, Chilam balam type priest, um, you know, I guess you would call clairvoyance, uh, where they're able to just see the future. You know, And I've experienced this in Guatemala as well with the Chilam balam prophecies uh, that were so accurate in, in, in describing the things that are happening right now. But I think at the core of it all, because I've studied the Maya and the Hopi now for, for a number of years, over a decade, uh, uh, they see things in cycles. We see things in the Western mind as a linear progression of things, you know, from zero to a thousand, right, or zero to two thousand. Mm-hmm. But but in the Native American mind, they see everything as a cycle. So, you know, the cycle of the seasoning, the planting of corn and the reaping of corn and farming cycles and um, the cycles of the seasons, the cycles of the animals, when they, you know, when they mate, when they breed, and when they have children. So from a Native American mindset or any indigenous people's mindset, really, they see things in, in cycles. They don't see things as linear, um, meaning that they're able to predict things that are going to happen in the future based on things that happened in the past. And so the interesting thing about the Hopi and the Maya traditions is that what we consider to be... <laughs> Excuse me. What we consider to be maybe prophecies is really to them just a, a continual observation of things that's been going on for thousands of years and so they can look back at what happened three thousand, you know, two hundred years ago and look to this time period right now and say, well, every fifty two hundred years this happens, right? Or expect this. And so to the outside world it looks like prophecy, but really it's just observation.
0: True. The and the Hopi's had about nine signs with the final sign being devastated. We'll get into that a little bit later in the program. Tell me about yeah. your approach with the Hopis. How did you come across the grandfather Malava?
1: Um uh, it's a good question. So um I think Gary David is a, is an excellent offer. I'm sure I think you've had him on your show. Yeah,
0: sometime. he's been on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he's uh he's an excellent Hopi um Historian and, 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 and author has written several books about. it. He's got a great new book that just came out. I have not had a chance to read it yet. Uh, but um, and I, I believe that's how I got introduced uh, initially, and 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 then about uh, six years ago. And since that time, you know, uh, Grandfather Malava and I have talked. About, I mean, I call him Grandfather Malava. His, his name is Martin Hawato. Um, but um, you know, I, he just he just he they're so kind and they're so knowledgeable and mm-hmm. so ready and willing to give up their time to the people that, you know, are willing to give them the equal respect and time, so to speak. And so it's really just been a labor of love to just listen to the stories and the information he have to share, because a lot of this, George, is to be fifty thousand year old information. That's true. And, and that's true. I, I tell people that, and they go, "Oh, that's that's a crazy. That's they can only have a three thousand year old civilization." And I say, "No, you're wrong. You're absolutely, positively wrong." Um, they're, they, they're describing events that we know happened, you know, maybe fifty thousand years ago with asteroid strikes and stuff like that. When they talk about the three phases or the four six, the phases of civilization that have been destroyed, and we're in the fourth or fifth one, depending on. on on which calendar or which, you know, uh, knowledge stream to go by. And so we're coming to the end of that sort of period now, and there's actually very scientific, this is what's mind-boggling, a completely scientific way of explaining their cosmology and what they were taught about these things that seem so unbelievably difficult to understand and now are so simple to us. And I'll explain that when we get into the helpers. Uh, and, and 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 their story of creation. So their story of creation basically talks about Spider Woman, who came and was traveling through space and decided that they were going to basically they saw the Earth was wobbling in space, right? Uh, and and decided they going to come down and fix it. So the two helpers, who were the nephews of Spider Woman, come down uh, and they and they're sent to the poles of the Earth. Right, hmm. and they sent to the poles of the Earth to 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 basically balance the Earth because at that particular time, apparently the the wobble of the Earth was not steady. It was not 23 and a half degrees as it is now. It was going all over the place. meaning it was an unsteady wobble. So the two helpers are sent to the poles, and of course. When you read the initial story, you, from the Western standpoint of view, you think, okay, what are they talking about? But really you have to think of it from an indigenous standpoint of view where they use metaphors for everything, right? Because how could you explain to someone 5,000 years ago that there was an ice cap at the poles of each Earth and those two ice caps actually stabilized the Earth like a spinning top, Right? Couldn't understand that. So they just said the nephews, and they used all these metaphors. But now that we have the scientific understanding to translate that in another way, we can say, oh, okay, what they're talking about is they're talking about the ice caps at the ends of the earth, which stabilized the wobble of the earth during the last ice age, and and that's actually what happened. So now, this purification that they're talking about is not actually about this event that's going to happen because god wants to punish us as much as it is kind of a human-made event because we've allowed carbon dioxide and all these gases into the atmosphere that's increased the amount of solar energy that's absorbed for an energy that's absorbed and now that has melted the two ice caps so because we're melting the ice caps this causes the earth to become more unstable and eventually what will happen is we'll have another crustal ice displacement and a, and a crustal shift, which is what Charles Hapkoop was writing about, and then that's where the purification is going to come, because we weren't smart enough and peaceful enough to stop global warming.
0: Interesting. Because we're
1: spending a lot of our time killing each other in, in weapons of mass destruction instead of concentrating on protecting the environment, essentially.
0: How did the Hopi pass their stories along? Did they put him in a book, or was it word of mouth?
1: Totally verbal, as far as I understand it, with the exception of what Grandfather Malava would call uh, the wall paintings, or what we would call uh, petroglyphs. Right. So, so part of the initiation ceremonies for the for the Hopi was that each clan member would have to go down to certain places, certain sacred sites, like in the in the Grand Canyon. Uh, and they would have to go down there, and, as they would make their journey down to these sacred sites to do whatever they were supposed to do at the sacred site, they would actually leave their clan marks along the way. So a lot of these petroglyphs that we see are actually the clan markings that go back thousands of years, tens of thousands of years of 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 these peoples, this 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 tribe going back and leaving their marks on the petroglyphs. so, so there's this verbal tradition, which is passed down basically from father to son, from priest to priest, um, as, as we would say. Um, and and then you had the Petroclists, of course, to, to back that up to, to help tell the story. So they, they, they had a little bit of both, but it was mostly verbal, as far as I understand. And
0: apparently the translations stayed pretty accurate as they passed them down. Unlike, you know, what we would do in school where you have 40 kids and, you know, you tell a story all the way through and it's totally different by the time it gets to the last kid.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the use of metaphors was very, that's kind of, I think, why they use certain metaphors to describe certain things. So, for instance, like uh, Grafana Malava was this new prophecy that comes up, which we have on our website, uh, it's actually Facebook's but the WikiLeaks UFOs. Um, he, he, he he describes, for instance, um, he pauses for a moment when he's when he's, when he's reading the translation, um, and he says, uh, you know, this 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 phrase is describing um, women that have babies without fathers, and, and and then he says that means like artificial insemination. <laughs> so he was he was describing things that would happen in the future that were written in the 1930s about stuff that's happening now, of course. You know, when's, when was artificial insemination? 1970? <laughs> I can't remember.
0: Probably right the around then, yeah.
1: Yeah, so how could they have even imagined that, let alone uh, try to come up with a phrase to describe that like uh, women who are having babies without fathers, you know what I mean? Like, it's just amazing how they use language even back then to describe things that they could never have known about or even imagined, hadn't even been invented yet, and yet they described it with such accuracy that when you, when you listen to, to, to Grandfather Malaba, you know, describe what was written over 90 years ago, it's like a page from the headlines of today. He's talking about wildfires that are out of control that no one could control. Like, I was like, wow, that's like, that's like that's now.
0: <laughs> well, who, you know? who, who are the ant people, Bill, that the Hopis talk about? Because I think they're either extraterrestrials that look like ants and they witness them, or humans who lived underground? What do you you think?
1: You know, it's a great question. Um, So uh, we've had several conversations over the years to try to get a better understanding of of, of just who, the whole cosmology here, who are the ant people, who are the stone people, who are the mud people, who are the blue men. Like, it's... uh, If you want to understand anything about ufology, and you know this is where I kind of started from the very beginning, that's right. You 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 cannot understand anything that's going on with UFOs today um, if you do not have a good fundamental understanding of the Native American indigenous interactions with them, because they are the ones who have all the keys uh, to the kingdom.
0: They were witnesses. um,
1: so, exactly, exactly. And, and they know what's going on. Like, they, they've known for centuries. And I have a feeling that's why a lot of these reservations were created, actually. So let me tell you a little bit about the New People so we answer the question, because okay. it's a very important question, I think we need to expound on it a little bit. So what Grandfather Malala actually said, and let me be careful, because I have to be, is that, let's just put it this way. Some of the things that we think are extraterrestrial may not actually be extraterrestrial, meaning that there are beings which we share the earth with, okay? Mm -hmm. That that evolved on the earth along with us that lived underground. Right. Just put it that way.
0: And I think that's possible.
1: I think it's entirely possible. It's 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 there's so much surface area, there's so much cubic feet of area under the ground. You could have an entire you could have multiple civilizations if they're underground that could be hidden from us, that we wouldn't know anything about.
0: Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.